This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. It feels good to be back. It's been ages since I've been in the studio. Ages. I know you're doing the uh, radio show from our normal studio on a week-by-week basis, but I don't think I've been in here for about a month. Jetting around the world, doing programmes from people's bedrooms and all that type of carry-on. We are back in the mix. Uh, We are the Fight Disciples, and if this is the first time you've come across us, this is our boxing show, podcast episode 329. Welcome to it. Uh, You can subscribe to us via iTunes, and you can get all Android feeds on our website, fightdisciples.com. It is good to be back on English soil. It's See, fucking freezing though, isn't it? It is fucking freezing, yeah. To be fair, we have been in 48 and 38 degree heat yeah. of recent times, mate. Well, we went last week. Manchester was cold last week, but it just seems to have dropped again this week, doesn't it? Jesus. Oof, when you've got the football to keep me warm. Sitting at the top of the table, the mighty red men. I thought you were going to get done yesterday, actually. Get out of town. You, you enjoyed VAR yesterday, didn't you? <laughs> you liked a bit of that yesterday. You were VAR. mourning midweek, it's giving terrible. it the big in midweek in the European clash, but not yesterday. Oh, he's off by a tour. To be honest, Roll it off. I thought it was shocking. I'm still old school me. If you're offside, just blow for offside. Don't wait and see how the passage of play plays out. No. It's bollocks. No, no, no. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the offside bit because it's actually... Should just went he's offside? No, no, no. he touched that Listen, ball, he's offside. People have been Why sh- let it play? People have been shouting for consistency for years regarding the offside. Bollocks. Yeah, because some are given, some are not given. Now we're getting them all given or not given. That's what we're getting. We're not. We're, we we're are still getting, getting co- the wrong res- r- No, we're not. Wrong decisions. Not with offside, we're not. Not with offside. With offside, we are not getting the wrong decisions. We are getting factual decisions. Done. End of. Move on. Nonsense. Liverpool are going to win the league in VAR year. That's the thing. We should have had a pen last week. We didn't get it. No, no, no. Penalties are subjective to the referee's opinion. So basically, so what you're saying is we'll never have a wrong offside decision. Correct. But all this bollocks, all this TV bollocks just to stop wrong offsides. Yeah, that's fine. But actual penalties and goals and stuff like that. Well, you goals. What do you talk about on, on match of the day? There's been eleven and ten of them have stopped goals. Yeah, yeah. So basically, we're making football shitter. No, we're not. We are. No, we're, we're not. In the game. Goals that shouldn't have been allowed Maybe. have not been allowed. Part of the game is human error. Part of the game is the, the decision making. Football shit anyway. This is why we do yeah, a fight shit. podcast. True. There you go. True. See, let's stop talking about it. I'd l- listen, we better not see it in boxing. Put it that way. What, VAR in boxing? It's coming in with Charlie Edwards. I know we with fucking Maurizio Sullivan. I've got a beef with him this week. Oh, hello. Yeah. A bit of a role reversal. Go on, I'll see you up. No. Go on, carry on. Do your VAR thing and then I'm going to go in on him. Senor Maurizio, there's a message for you from Adam Cattrall from The Fight Disciples. No, finish, finish on your VAR thing with the Charlie oh. Edwards thing. That's what you are going to talk about, weren't you? Yeah, listen, again, on that occasion, it was a complete mess and, and, and Sullivan was bang out of order doing what he did. But ultimately, the right results happened in yeah. terms of the guy got disqualified. He should have been disqualified for a low blow. The fact the same thing happened a couple of minutes earlier with, with Buatzi. Was it Buatzi in the fight earlier? Was it Buatzi or was it um, a Coley? Is this the night that you were leathered and you can't remember what exactly. was going on? That's the problem. Because <laughs> he ate the guy when he was on the floor as well. Yeah. Um, it's Buatzi. Buatzi it was Buatzi, that night. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
I don't know, man. It's in talking specifically about football, it's shit. Mm-hmm. VAR put it in the bin. Yeah, categorically. And I just think boxing should learn from that and go. Listen, it's terrible in football. Let's not even let's not even talk about it coming into boxing. My problem with Maurizio this week, yes, is regarding his uh, tweets and and especially from his account and from the WBC account regarding Aiba. Right, we've all known that the uh, the World Amateur Championships are going on at this moment in time, and a couple of our lads have been harshly dealt with. Let's just say <sighs> we'll talk about Fraser Clark a little bit later on. My beef with Maurizio is that he jumps on the bandwagon regarding that contest between a professional fighter and an amateur fighter. Now, I just want to lay my cards out here. I don't agree with professional fighters competing in these championships. I think it should be for amateur uh, fighters only. Um, they're two different sports. If you've made the decision to come out of amateur fighting and go into professional fighting, you've ma- you, listen, you've made your bed, go and lie in it. You've got trinkets to go and follow, whether they be British titles, world titles, or whatever it may be, and also you're getting weighed in on a professional basis. Amateur guys should be left alone in order to go and chase Olympic gold medals and world amateur titles and all that type of thing. So that's where I stand at this moment in time. However, regarding the contest of a professional athlete in boxing fighting an amateur athlete in boxing, I've absolutely no problem with it. And I'll tell you why I've no problem with it. First of all, when you see the words professional and amateur in sport, you think, right, one guy's doing this full-time, one guy's stacking shelves at Tesco's throughout the course of the week and just having a bit of a knock at the weekend. That's not boxing. These are two totally different sports. A lot of amateur athletes in in boxing, they're full-time. They're well, you know, they're they're sponsored, they're they're, they're giving it 24-7, and then they're competing at the very highest level. The kid that got knocked out, the amateur fighter that got knocked out that we're referring to in this particular contest, he had a record of 113 wins to seven losses. The guy was legit. I watched him in. I watched him the day before knock out the guy who was ranked number seven in the tournament. So he was absolutely bang on. And the guy who knocked him out, the professional athlete, looked a little bit laboured the day before. So when it comes to having a go at or using the words criminal, that's what that's where my problem is. He used the words criminal. I think that Jesus. professional athlete, a professional fighter, should not be allowed to be fighting an amateur athlete. It's a criminal act. Well, it's not actually because the two different sports. It's like when rugby union guys go over to rugby league. Or rugby league guys go off to rugby union. Mauricio Sullivan didn't have a problem with Conor McGregor fighting Floyd Mayweather, did he? he made a fucking commemorative belt for it. Yep, true. You've got two lads having a little bit of a knock who off YouTube in a couple of weeks. Yep. Nobody's got a problem with that. Well, He's, they have, but... Well, of course they've got... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Aiba are a sack of shit. We know they're a sack of shit. We know that they're corrupt. That's they're in Tokyo. We know that... They, exactly, and we're all delighted that they're nothing to do with the Olympics. Yep. We know that they're absolutely bent as a nine-bob knot, but that... The actual, his use of the word criminal at that particular point, I have no problem with professional boxers fighting elite level amateur fighters, of which we saw in that case. Knockouts happen. It's just one of those things, in my opinion. The, the knockout from, that wasn't the big incident. I, I kind of, I don't say I agree with Maritio. Because the, the, the guys, is he 9 and I was a pro? Six and zero, or six and zero. So he's pro. knocked over sixteen cans as a pro. There's a rule in there that you've got, you have to have a certain amount of fights. It's, it's, is it under 10 fights I think to, so. to compete internationally? I think so, yeah. so you can go to the Olympics if you've had less than 10 pro fights. The rule in itself that Aiba brought in is bullshit anyway. Why did they bring it in? It's just nonsense. But they brought it in because they had that world boxing series thing. Where they world st- series of boxing, yeah. Where they started going around making a fortune before it went belly up because Aiba were just... It was basically just pro boxing. Yeah. That's all it was. Um, and they were paying the boxers a fucking pittance. Whereas if it was a pro game, they'd be getting a bigger slice of the tickets mm. and all that kind of stuff. So that's basically why it went belly up. But in, I think even in the UK, the British Boxing Board of Control allow you to turn pro um, 
and then go back to amateur if you've had less than three pro fights, I think it is. Mm-hmm. So if you have a little go, you have a couple of fights, you think, you know what, it's not for me, I'm more about the amateur code. I'm sure it's three pro fights. If you had four, you can't ever box amateur again. But if you've only had three, you can go back to the amateur ranks. And I've got no problem with that. But I, but again, at this level, you know, the guy that had less than 10 fights as a pro, am I happy about it? Not really, because you could have guys, you know, Imagine if Lomachenko would have just gone, do you know what, I think I'll, I've only had nine fights, I'm going to go back into the amateurs and try and yeah. get a gold medal. Yeah, I'd have a problem with Dax. You're like, come on, son, step aside, let someone else have a go, kind of thing. But Yeah, but that's just it, because... It's funny Solomon yeah, coming but, out because of all the fucking people. Do you know what I mean? It's not like WBC aren't corrupt as fuck anyway. Mm. You know, we were out in Vegas the other week and we presented Tyson Fury with a fucking Mexican belt, for Christ's sake. Just utter nonsense. So for him to use the word criminal is bang out of order. But then again... That actual focus aside, what he was talking about, the actual Iber World Championship tournament, there was plenty, plenty of criminal acts going on. Oh, mate, way, so. let's talk about Fraser Clark. Jesus. The kid won the fight. He won the fight, and then everybody, well, I say everybody, the Russian team complained about the scoring in the final round. Bear in mind, it's in Russia. And then next thing you know, he's been stripped of his status of being guaranteed a bronze medal and being able to fight for it, and the Russian kid's in there having a little bit of a knock. And Fraser, who a lot of us are tipping for Olympic greatness next year, He's left. He, he doesn't have a pot to piss in. Yeah. Poor kid. You know what I mean? It's fucking outrageous. Oh, you can win a quarter final. Think I'm in the semis now. I've guaranteed a medal. Happy days. And then the host nation overturned the result. So their guys in in the semi final and you're not. I think it's an absolute fucking disgrace. Mm. But exactly why I thought you know what? Brilliant. I'm glad I even aren't running boxing tournaments at the Olympics next year. Mm. That was the World Championships. Traditionally, the World Championships, the year before the Olympics, is the first qualifying tournament. So if you'd have won a medal at these World Championships in Russia, which took place last week, you'd, those four guys who won medals in each weight division should now be going. Grace them in Tokyo 2020, I'm guaranteed a place. Mm-hmm. But what they're doing is they've done a, a, it's a week-long tournament, I think, in London now as the first qualifier next year. I think it's May 13th to May the 23rd or something like that. John Denham from Boxing News is talking about it. But there's a there's a tournament in May in London, and that'll be the qualifier for Tokyo 2020 because it's not organised by eBay. It's organised mm. by the IOC themselves. They're mm. fucking... For this exact reason, for this exact bullshit. Like, I watched Pat McCormack yesterday in the final going for gold, looking to be the first GB boxer, I think, since... Since Frankie. Frankie. Frankie's the only male. one who's ever done it. Since yeah, yeah. male. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frankie's the only gold medalist. Savannah Marshall's done it. Nicola Adams done it. Yeah. But this, he's... Pat McCormack was going for number yeah, yeah. two, yeah. And um, I'm watching that fight, and it's like head clash, cut opens up over Pat's eye. They fucking lift, lift the other guy's arm. Mm. Okay, we'll have to go count back. You can't go count back. The fight's only just starting. Yes. Yeah. We're going to go on seconds, literally seconds that we've seen. Why didn't just go, mate? That was an accidental head clash. Yeah, it was an accidental head clash. We've not even done two rounds here. Yeah, okay. Tell you what, no contest, boys. You share the gold medal. How is that not fair? What, what has Pat McCormack done wrong to not deserve a gold medal? Mm. You couldn't, you couldn't score that fight. It wasn't long enough was it, in the fight. Six minutes, yeah. six minutes, less than six minutes, wasn't it? Less than six minutes. You can't score a fight. It's just, I just thought that was shit. I felt sorry for the kid because he looked great all the way through the tournament. Mm. Don't get me wrong, it was a tough fight. The kid started really well, uh, but I thought McCormack was bad, was really coming into it and finding his feet. And to go out like that, you just think, fuck's sake, all the work he's done to go out on a head clash. Mm. The guys butted him. Cuts opened up over your eye. Right, you're out the to- you're out the tournament. You can't win a gold medal. Your bo- bollocks. Your boy Pete McGrail as well. He medaled. Yeah, Peter medaled. Yeah, yeah. He had a tough kid. The kid he lost to in the in the semis, 
Um, I was reading, this might have been John as well, cracking or it might have been Ron Lewis, either or. But it was a great little stat, though. The guy he lost to, the Cuban he lost to, yeah. is a fucking one of those Cubans that's won everything under the sun for like the last 20 years. Um, but he actually beat Luke Campbell into a, a lesser medal at the World Championships the year before Luke Campbell won gold at wow. London 2012. Wow. So I'm praying that it's a little bit of a, little uh, bit of a sign. history repeating itself. If Peter loses to this guy, then next year he wins a gold medal at the Olympics. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. There you go. Um, listen, I think we came out with a couple of bronzes, a silver in there as well. Yeah. Um, but disappointing for Fraser, uh, Fraser Clark. But you never know. Next year might be our year uh, in 2020. We always but seem to step up when it comes to the Olympic Games. And now is, that Ayiba are nothing to do with Exactly. And the qualifiers in London. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, anyway, fingers crossed. We'll see. Just a quick one before we actually talk about some proper boxing. What's your level of interest in Kel Brook and Amir Khan? Um, now. Yeah. I'd say it's at an all-time low. Yeah. From the last five years. Would I go and watch it? Yeah, I would. Would you? Yeah, yeah. I'd go and watch it. What, what type of arena would it do? I'm just trying to gauge a little bit of interest for Manchester. them. Manchester. samples, yeah? I think it would do Manchester Arena, wouldn't 15, it? 16,000, something like I mean, that. I mean, it's always, not doing a stadium, is it? It's certainly not doing a fucking stadium. Not, not on its own. close. Not even close. Could it live on an undercard of a decent knock? Well, Joe Gallagher was on the show last week, was talking about Kel Brook, Liam Smith, as co-main to Callum Smith versus TBA light heavyweight world champion at Anfield. I wouldn't be against that. So I think Kel or Amir have still got that kind of co-main draw for the stadium fight and I think if they fought each other it would fit as a co-main on a stadium fight mm. if the if the main event was a big and if it was AJ coming back after winning the titles against Ruiz defending against you know a another <laughs> <laughs> someone I'm just done with I don't know. it I'm, t- I'm complete it still sells it does, yeah. it does Manchester Arena main event I reckon do you reckon yeah I think so yeah with a decent undercard I think it still sells because they're both pretty good talkers, and I think it would still cash out for them. I, d- I just truly believe that fight hasn't gone. All right, fair enough. I'll d- listen, if you listen to this and you've got an opinion on it, do tweet us at Fight Disciples on Twitter. I What's Kel's opinion? He wants- Let's give him a quick bell. Bring, bring. Kel, Nick from the Fight Disciples. Adam's not keen on the Amir Khan fight, mate, but I'm still all in on it. What do you think? Manchester Arena? Sheffield Arena? What weight are we doing it at, Babby? Doesn't matter. Whatever weight you want, son. Can we do it at super middle? Because I've been uh, on the donuts, mate. You know what I mean? I've been out here in my brownies. I've been out here enjoying myself on chocolate brownies. I don't know if I can get down to 154, but listen, if Kandashian grows a set of nuts, we'll get it on, son. I'm ready to go. No, wherever. I'll fight him at Weatherspoon's car park if you want. As long as I'm getting weighed in. I need that big payday to finish off, don't I? Thanks, Cal. Enjoy your oldie, mate. You're welcome, mate. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> oh, there you go. Kel's up for it. Kel's up for it. Kel's buzzing for it, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Canelo versus Kovalev confirmed um, November the 2nd. We are go- we're in a bit of a predicament now, November 2nd, mate. What we're we're going to do? We're in a right pickle here. We've got Canelo versus Kovalev, which everybody's interested in. Light heavyweight championship of the world. Can Canelo step up again and become a, a world champion in another weight category? Great fight. You've got to be watching that. If you're not, a, if you're a boxing fan and you're not glued to that fight, something wrong with you. Well, hang on a minute. Why have you said that? Because we're probably going to be in New York for UFC 244, which Scrambling is happening at the exact same to find time. The telly. So we're going to be watching that until doing his thing, and then maybe Kovalev on a little iPad or something like that. And then, as if we're not going to be, I say we're not going to be. It's ninety nine percent certain that we're not going to be in the arena for Crawler's last dance. Oh no, he's been a stalwart of the Fight Disciples podcast since Dead Dot. Yeah, man, 
he's an original, isn't he? I'm gutted. To be honest, I'm kind of a bit more gutted about that, missing Crawler's last fight, yeah. than I am about missing Kovalev versus Canelo. Canelo. Just because, as you say, Ant's a fucking superstar, man. And, you know, I had him on podcast last week. Anyone that listened to that interview, you probably didn't get the fact that the end of the interview involved some serious man-hugging. And I think I threw him off a little bit because I was just like, come here. You threw him off? You know, threw- <laughs> you wanked him off. You know, <laughs> threw him off. Oh. Yeah, but that's like a euphemism for... <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it is. I threw him off his game, meaning like, whoa, what is he, Nick? Because right. I was like, ah! I thought you were like... Just Both give, arms right random. I thought you were giving him. a little bit of a shuffle as you were finishing <laughs> off. <laughs> Both arms right random, because I was like, mate, it's... Because, it, again, Crawler's one of those guys that I remember as pro debut. I remember he was on the undercards of Rick, and I remember when he was on first coming through and everything else, and... You know, we had so many big rivalries, so many big rivalries that I was engaged in as well, you know. Yeah, here he is now. Showdown to Gary Matthews and He's Crawler's mates now, but back in the day, it used to all be about Derry for you, didn't it? Well, that's it. Well, that's an, And that's how I got to know Crawler, interviewing Crawler ahead of the Derry fights and everything else, and talked to him straight away, just an absolute diamond, and then obviously built a relationship then with Crawler as he went through his world title exploits, and then I remember when he was in a hospital and texted him in a hospital, like, thinking, wow, his, his career's over. Mm. I hope he's, you know, I hope he's well and please stay in the right frame of mind and just trying to, and then to see him come back and win a world title, it, it just doesn't feel right that we're not going to be there for Crawler's last dance. Mm. But, you know, I've, listen, this is fight sports, man. It doesn't wait for no man. No, does it doesn't. It? Listen, he's, fights that night. he's going to get an unbelievable turnout, no question. And I just thought that Eddie sticks to his word from the conversation that we had with him last week where he's going to leave him to last. I know there's the Katie Taylor he fight. He's insisting he is. When we spoke to Eddie, he said Crawler's got to be main event. Of course he has. And plus, I think don't don't forget Eddie had his fingers burnt a couple of days before that when Chisora fucking got the Vaseline out, and I think he didn't want a, another what conversation like that. Not that Amp would have, but I'm sure fucking Joe, Joe would. Gallagher would have spoken up. <laughs> Joe would have spoken up from the crowd, wouldn't he, and said something. So Joe's ready um, with his Vaseline because that was. I'll be honest, we were sitting, weren't we? We'd, we'd had a chat with Joe, and then we were sitting there, and, and that was the first question on both our lips. And then to be fair to Eddie who forgot about Crawler, weirdly yeah. in the presser, he then went, you know, this guy's obviously going to be last on for his last dance. I thought, yeah, man, of course. Mm. Absolutely. And that's no slight on Katie Taylor because... No, not at all. When it comes to women's boxing, she's the most attractive women's boxer in the sport today in terms of her fighting style is unmissable. I love watching Katie Taylor fight. And she's doing something that we've both been championing for quite a period of time. She's stepping up in weight. Of course. Testing Ho- herself. Yeah, but then hopefully maybe... I don't know, bring in a Cecilia Brackhouse downing weight. Come on, yeah. girl, do you fancy a little bit of a knock Listen, at a catch weight or something like that? And I mentioned this to Casey last week. I think there's unfinished business with Pursuit as well. She's got to go back and do that again because she was lucky to get the decision that night. But don't move, you know, what I like about Casey Taylor in this move is it's not, she won't feel like she's static. It's hard to get going again. And Pursuit was a tough fight. Mm. Why not go and spread your wings a little bit, win another weight in another another world title in a different weight division? And then maybe if you feel comfortable there, then say to Pursuit, come on. Come on up, I'm the biggest paycheck in this weight division. You come up to me now, because I think Katie might be a little bit bigger, stronger. You know, she might she might enjoy the new weight division even more than lightweight. So I think it's a good move from Team Team Katie Taylor. But let's be honest, Crawler had to be main event because all respect to Katie Taylor. If you put Katie Taylor on after Anthony Crawler, yeah, it'll be like a fucking ghost town. Yeah, it's going to clear out. <clears throat> um, speaking of clearing out. Eddie Hearn better check his uh, Italian visa because I think it's going to get revoked. He keeps taking <laughs> fighters over to Italy and he keeps smoking all the home fighters. Ed, listen, mate, you've got to look after them Italian lads. You've got to give them a little bit of a knockover. You've got to get the Italian crowd behind them, lad. <laughs> Stop taking kids over. 
and bashing them up, I'm, I'm bashing the shit out of people. <laughs> Jordan Gill rocks up, dances, bloody rings around one. Then you've got Sam Eggington. Obviously, Marcus Morrison did it last time, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Sam Eggington absolutely mobbed the kid out. Fair play, hey, fair play, to Sam. Mate. The savage. He didn't read the script at all, did he? He was tremendous, and he, you know, and you fear taking fights like that on the road. You're the visiting fighter, you know, an, an international title fight. You know, you you. You're still trying to bounce back from from getting found out a little bit against Liam Smith. You're still trying to build your momentum. I said to you, didn't I? For me, Sam Eggington is like a firework. He he was up. He was he was a superstar, and it was like let's get him to Vegas. Let's just do something with him. Where you go, wow, that's amazing. And after losing to you know after picking up a couple of defeats, you start thinking it's never going to happen for Sam well, now. He- and then when this fight was announced, I was thinking he's just getting led. To, yeah. to, to build someone else's ledge, you know, this Flood Ego's ledger is just going to bomb yet, yeah, former world title contender, former this, former that guy who beats, you know, European champion, all that kind of stuff. But that's Sam Eggington. I think it's hard to rule Sam Eggington against Liam Smith because Liam Smith, I believe Liam Smith's world class and Sam was always going to struggle there, especially in Liverpool. Liam's first fight with Matchroom. But he beat it was Paul, always going to be a tough night. I know, and it's a faded Paulie Malanagi, but he beat a Paulie Malanagi, mate. My big concern about Sam was that night in Birmingham. When he just stood there. No, oh, no, when he stood there against that Machuano, that Hassan Machuano, he, he got wasted, and he just it? fucking dropped his hands, and he looked like he didn't want to be in there, and that's when I thought this kid needs saving, he needs pulling out of boxing. But I know Sam well enough, but I know John Pegg, Sam's coach, manager, guy who looks after Sam, promoter, fucking diehard Birmingham boxing, literally fucking Hall of Fame, and John's a diamond, and John would never have put Sam in. To, to fight to, like to this if he didn't think yeah, yeah. that was a bad night. Whatever went on in his private life with when, on the night of when he fought Hassan is gone now. It's obviously behind him and they've moved him forward. Yes, the Liam Smith fight was a fight he couldn't turn down. You beat Liam Smith, Christ, you get a world title fight. So I, I understand why they took that. But the, the, the chart back since, you know, two solid wins on home soil, smaller shows, and then boom, yeah, do you want to go to Italy for an interim title fight? Yes, we do. And it's only the fact that I know John Pegg well enough to know that John Pegg's took him to Italy because he knew Sam's back where he want, needs to be. But in mind, Sam Eggington's still only a kid. I know he's he is. 25 years of age. I know. It seems like he's been around unreal. for time, doesn't it? It's unreal. Mm. I, was just, I was just so happy for him because he's a lovely kid. Mm. Lovely kid. And let's not forget why he got into boxing. He was a forklift truck driver who lost his job. Yep. And went to John Pegg's gym and said, listen, I, I want to be a German. I need to make a few quid, man. I need to make some money. Next thing you know, he's fucking beating Malanaji to be a European champion. It's brilliant that he's having another stint, and I just hope... The good thing is, Barry Ern loves him, doesn't he? Eddie's dad loves Sam Eggington. So he will always get favourable fights, and now I'd like to see him come back to the UK. Potentially another interim title fight, and then let's get him to Vegas, man. I was texting John Pegg. Congratulations, John. Amazing. So happy for you. And Sam, brilliant. When we go to Vegas? Because that's all... I've said this since day one with Sam Eggington. Do I believe he goes and wins a world title? Probably not. Do I believe he, he deserves to fight in Las Vegas or Madison Square Garden? Absolutely. Because that's a movie. That his life story is kind of like a movie. And the ending's got to be, and he fought at Madison Square Garden. Or he fought in Las Vegas. <laughs> it's going to happen. Mm. Um, your boy were back in town, mate, on the Thursday night, joining Gil. After, uh, I, listen, I spoke to him on Saturday night, and he's fight against Tanoko. He's learned a lot. You tell your trainer when you're ill, basically. Yep. Yeah, you don't try and hide it. He's a young boy. He's, he's learning his way, and he's obviously, uh, he's had a wonderful 12 months, uh, a huge rise, uh, successful rise. 
And you didn't want to let those uh, those fans down that he were performing in front of in Nottingham when we were there on that Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it was to his detriment. He was uh, he was taking on a, a live fighter, and if you're going in there half cooked, you're going to get found out, and that's what happened. I'll tell you something though. He, I know that he missed uh, the TV broadcast on um, on Thursday evening, but there was a little bit of a replay afterwards, and uh, he did the business spot to uh, him, and he thinks he's going to be back out back end of November, December in the UK. Great and. Uh, and, and back on the Jordan Gill bandwagon. Great. Well, I know there's a there's a big Callum Smith card coming to Liverpool in the November, so I'd love Jordan Gill to be on that card. He's desperate for the Tanaka fight again. He's desperate to get it back and then get the job done and then move on. Of course he is, because we were there on the night, weren't we? We were working for national radio and we were watching him going, who's this guy? Yeah, yeah. This is not Jordan Gill. This is not the way he fights. Um, so I'm not surprised he wants to get it back, but sometimes <clears throat> there's plenty of other fish in the sea and sometimes running stuff back can be as de- a detriment as well. Yeah, because what, you're emotionally involved in it. Well, exactly. You know, and, and I don't... Jordan's a young lad and he's very passionate and he's com- 100% committed to this game and he's going to be a world champion one day. And it, it just reminds me a little bit of the David Price, Tony Thompson situation when Price, he lost to Tony Thompson. He was just like, right, I want to run it back straight away. I want to run it back. I'm like, why? Tony Thompson really doesn't move you forward that much anyway. Likewise, Tanaka doesn't really move Jordan Gill forward that much anyway. Yeah, yeah. There's two dozen other guys out there that move him in a better direction, quicker, faster, and are probably better fights anyway. Why, why run it back? Why give the guy the opportunity? I just don't see the point in it. But anyway, well, listen, Jordan and, and Dave Caldwell make the right decision, I'm sure. I just, fingers crossed, he comes to Liverpool in November. Mm-hmm. Team Gill. Team Gill. Team Gill. Um, Right, get ready for a love-in, because Friday night, Royal Albert Hall, that's the destination. There's a lot of fights on there that we're all interested in, the likes of Nicola Adams fighting Archie Sharp, who I've fallen for a little bit of uh, of recent times, but top of the tree, it's D-Day, Triple D, back in action, probably picking up another trinket, this time the Commonwealth crown in the heavyweight division against Ebenezer Tete. Do you want me to shut up now? Because this is where you just go crazy for it, don't you? Triple D, Daniel Dubois, probably the best heavyweight prospect in world boxing, bar none. Absolutely phenomenal. Got it all. Well, what a trinket that he picked up last week. I think he's the first... I can't remember the last heavyweight. Is it about 20 years before a heavyweight picked up the Boxing Writers? Uh... British Boxing Writers, yeah. Boxer of the Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the likes Young of Cal... Boxer of the Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The likes of Cal Zaghi and all those types of boys have picked it up. I can't remember a heavyweight that picked it up. Of no. recent times, anyway. No, definitely not. No, I can't remember. Fair play. Did AJ not pick it up no. on the way through, no? No, no, no. AJ didn't pick it up. No. Interesting. There you go. Uh, so he picked up that award from the Boxing Writers yes. last week, and obviously that leads us in nicely to this Friday night. I, th- I think Triple D, the thing with him, when we were talking to we were talking to Frank and the and the, and the team over there about this when we were in Vegas, because obviously that's every conversation you have with with Queensbury and the, and the guys there eventually ends Comes up back Triple at Triple D. D. Triple D because Dubois is such a, a golden goose that they've got there and they're just cooking them slowly because they realised and you know I, I was putting words in the mouths as well when the fucking smoke clears with all these Tyson Furies and AJs and Wilders and whoever else when the smoke starts to settle in a couple of years time Triple D will just fucking walk through the lot of them or will pick up the pieces let's say and become uh, and become the main man uh, interesting this week to see an interview with him and he had a little pop at Tyson Fury, basically saying, if Fury ever fought me like that, I'd smash him to bits kind of thing about the Wallen performance. Is it? Because when we were away, I was saying, wasn't I, any chance of getting Fury to mentor Dubois because he could do with that little bit of experience and pff, fucking Daniels threw that one out the window <laughs> by having a pop at Tyson, which is brilliant, but... Well, he's working he's with Frank like Bruno, mate. Yeah, exactly. So you know, so he's got the there's, there's the mentor yeah, right yeah, there. You know, yeah. it's, it's perfect. And I think Lennox is Lennox has, Lennox put his has arm done bits a little bit as well. Yet, so the thing with Daniel is, yes, 
we, we come back to the same thing. And we've in the past have been as guilty as anybody of taking the piss a little bit because he's not a soundbite. He's not, he's not someone that's comfortable with a microphone in his face. Um, and that's an issue because in the modern sports, it's vital. But he is getting better. He is turning up oppressors in fucking awesome suits. And, you know, he's, he's, you can see he's evolving and he's growing and he's maturing as a man. You know, he's only a baby. Let's not forget he's a baby, especially for the heavyweights, he is a baby. And there's no rush with him whatsoever. And obviously Ebenezer Tete this weekend, he's got an undefeated 19-0 record with about 16 knockouts and great. And that's what you'll hear all this week in the build-up mm-hmm. to BT's show on Friday night. But when you dig into Tete's background in his record, he's never fought outside of Ghana before. He's, you know, he's, it, it's a bit of a padded record. But I'm not complaining about that because that's not where we are with Daniel Dubois. Daniel Dubois is growing in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. This kid is slowly blossoming into a genuine heavyweight uh, world title contender. And we've just got to be patient with him. Just like we were with Ricky Hatton and we've seen it with Joe Calzaghe. This is what Frank is amazing at. He doesn't necessarily have to pluck Olympic gold medalists and then plot their route to a world title. Frank takes guys that never went to the Olympics, that never won top amateur medals. He sees the talent there, and he has this ability to grow them as a pro. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's, Anthony Yard's a prime example, getting go. him to a world title shot. Exactly. And I think we're seeing exactly the same with Dubois. So I'm patient with Dubois. The heavyweight seat at the moment is bouncing. It doesn't necessarily need Dubois to make stuff happen right now. Dubois is the one that we should all be thinking about going, yeah, yeah, great. Oh, yeah, AJ, oh, Tyson, blah, 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 blah. But Daniel Dubois is coming. Mm-hmm. That should be our final fucking statement at the end of it all. I love everything about him. He's big. He's powerful. He's a killer. He's, he, he, when he gets someone hit, he finishes them. He's been in decent domestic level fights that have had good attention, and he's coped with it perfectly mm-hmm. well. He doesn't flap under pressure. He's confident in his own ability, and he plays to his strengths. There's a lot of big fighters that don't fight big. He fights big. If you know what I mean, he uses his size, his stature, his strength to his ability. For a young man, that's really experience. You know, there's no point where he goes like, "Oh shit, dig me toes in." I'm just going to swing away. Everything he does is calculated. He picks his shots really well. His ring IQ for such a young man is on another level, and that's why I truly believe this kid's going to be a world champion one day. Mm. Friday night at uh, the Royal Albert Hall, he'll be back in action. We anticipate that he's going to pick up a trinket and do the business, and the uh, the rhetoric will start once again. I would just love it. Right. If Tete comes out to, he's a good, he's a good. Yeah, of course. Oh. Is Ebony, he's a good. Regarding, regarding the Dubois thing, I think I've said this before. Do you remember the the uh, the film Warrior with uh, Tom Hardy? Uh-huh. Never spoke. No. Went in, destroyed, walked straight out the ring. Do that. Do that. Because sometimes when you see More him... Powerful. Up, yeah, yeah. Listen, Daniel. I love Daniel Dubois. Of course I do. But when he's on the microphone, it kind of dilutes the, f- the, the, the ferociousness of him. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's too nice. <laughs> he's such a nice kid. You want to go out, you know, you probably sit there in a room and you wouldn't even know he's in the room, you know, because he wouldn't talk. Yeah. And that just dilutes how ferocious he is in the ring. Yeah. Don't speak to him. Don't give him a microphone. In fact, Daniel, nail kids and just walk away. Go, just clear off because it's like, who the fuck is that? It gives that enigma feeling to him, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. What is he all about? He's a bit of a nutcase. He's a psychopath. What's that all about? Yeah. That's that's the rhetoric, I think, that we should all start building but he, but he isn't, though, is he? Yeah, but we can... He isn't. Yeah, but just imagine if he did it at the weekend. If, if he walked out, smashed the kid, and yeah. steamed out, everybody would be like, going, what's up with Daniel? So, He's lost it. The thing, His head's gone. Yeah. The thing with that, though, I think Joe, that should be Joe Joyce. That should be Joe Joyce's job. He should do that. Because Joe Joyce is just a clubber, isn't he? He's just a throwback to a caveman. He just gets in there, Nails and throws him. heavy hands. 
he for me, Joe Joyce should do that because we've got time. Daniel's no got, chat at all. Daniel's got <laughs> ten years to blossom, and no doubt he'll be doing media courses and they'll be fucking working with him and stuff like that, just to bring out his personality a little bit more. Joe Joyce is in his thirties; he hasn't got time to to fucking. Joe Joyce is Joe Joyce. He ain't gonna change now. He ain't suddenly just gonna start rocking the mic like Conor McGregor. He's the guy that should just say fuck all. Should just grunt, spit on the floor, <laughs> knock someone out and walk back out the ring, refuse to do interviews. Let people like Sam Jones and his management team around him, who are all fucking outspoken anyway, let them do the talking. Oh, you should have seen him in the back there, like Tong Po, punching brick walls, <laughs> chewing on nails. Do you know what I mean? He's just battered some kid there. Some old woman just crossed his path, he slapped her across the head. Like, build that up. He's just stolen ice cream off a 10 year old. That should be Joe Joyce. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he should be that guy. That's what they should do for Joe Joyce's next ring walk. Where Tyson in, in Vegas walked out and they had those pictures of all these Mexican legends. Yeah, yeah. They should just have Joe Joyce walk and a little old woman walks in front and he pushes it out the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, some woman's pushing a pram and he just kicks the pram out the way. You know what I mean? Nicks a kid's ice cream. <laughs> exactly. And then yeah. into the ring. <laughs> there you go. Marketing us. We know what we're doing. Frank, give us a shout. We'll get it laid on for you. Uh, Nicola Adams in action this weekend and I'm sure that she's going to want to put a, a bit of a performance on because I've no doubt with the with all the trinkets that she's picked up in her amateur days of becoming a double Olympic gold medalist to win a world title in the way that she's won a world title by default in effect probably has pissed her off a little bit so hopefully she comes out this weekend and proves to the world that she is legit in this uh, category and puts on a little bit of performance. Yeah, even Nicola, I'd be very surprised if she's carrying or one of her entourage just carrying that world title belt to the ring on Friday night because she won't she won't feel like a world champion. Yes, she won the interim belt, but nobody wants to be presented with a world title belt. So I don't think she'll carry it. I don't think she'll have it with her. I think she'll be ringside. And for this... When she wins. This will be Nicola thinking, I'm tonight I'm going to become a world champion. Mm. Uh, but it's, you know... Unfortunately, I'm in the same... I can't change me rhetoric about, no, no, no. about Nicola Adams, unfortunately. She's an amazing amateur, an amazing ambassador for sport, especially for women's sport. I love everything about Nicola Adams. What I don't love is she's a boxer, she's a flyweight, she's had five fights. Doesn't excite you. Doesn't get you on the edge of your seat. Compared to a Katie Taylor, for example. Yeah. Katie Taylor, you're up, you're buzzing. Yeah. Nicola. There's something about the way Katie Taylor fights that energises me that gets me excited I don't view Katie Taylor's fights like a women's boxing unfortunately I, st- I still watch Nicola Adams and think oh this is women's boxing now and that might be because the level in the flyweight division is not the same as the level yeah, in maybe. the lightweight division because there's more women who weigh around the lightweight super lightweight than they do a flyweight mm. or think that compete in boxing so maybe it's about that I don't know but you know, there's a, the girl she's fighting this weekend, Selena. I've never heard of her to check her record just for the, to even know who she was or what she's done. She, I think she's had three or four previous world title fights. Never won, managed to win a world title, even though she's been in that position. You know, I, I'm I'm in the same place with women's boxing that I'll always be, and that's until they change the rules. I still don't understand why they're doing two minute rounds mm. because all it does is it helps points decisions, and this is entertainment. Mm. I want to see three minute rounds. For knockouts. Exactly. Uh, there's a kid on the undercard called Archie Sharp. You might have heard us talk about him on a couple of occasions on the show. He's been on a couple of Daniel Dubois undercards. Listen, he's exciting. Heavily tattooed kid. Proper little cheeky chappy from uh, somewhere in East London. He's mates with a couple of these kids off Love Island. Uh, they, uh, they're involved in his ring walk and what have you. Listen, he's a top kid. He's been putting on some wonderful performances in the ring and I'm expecting him to maybe steal the undercard before the uh, the two big chiefs in Nicola Adams and Daniel Dubois get to the ring. Yeah, man, the kid's got a following as well, doesn't he? So 
Royal Albert Hall will be absolutely bouncing mm. with the Love Island faithful. But I like Willie Hutchinson as well. He's on the undercard, the super middleweight. Um, he's looked good so far as well. I'm excited to see him fight on Friday night. Although, I'm going to be watching this on my iPad. I'm going to be in London where there's two events Oh, yeah, going you're on. going to an awards, aren't you? I'm going to be in London Friday night. I forgot. And there's a boxing shot Royal Albert Hall with Frank Steele, which is, which is a cracker because obviously the main man's on the top of the bill. And then I feel sorry for whoever's putting the show on it. Your call and Bethnal Green because there's a sudden area title fight on at your call. Mm. Feel sorry for those guys because fucking everyone's going to be going to the Royal Albert Hall. But I'm not going to be there either. I'm going to be at the Lancaster Hotel near Marble Arch. Are you wearing black tie, son? It's a black tie job. I'll be getting there, the old Dickie Bow out. Absolutely. It. Mm. It's the uh, British Boxing Border Control Annual Boxing Awards. So That's it. I'm going down there, probably be asked to present an award. You know how it is. Is it? Is it? Is that how it rolls? I apologise to anybody that's going to be there that night because you know what he's like after a couple of rosés. <laughs> He'll be chewing somebody's ear off. I'll be on my best behaviour. Your mum's going with you, ain't she? My mum's going, yeah. I'm taking my mum with me, yeah. yeah you so I'll be on my best behaviour. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah. She's as bad as you. You'll both be bloody leathered. <laughs> <laughs> um, Saturday night. Um, before we get to the, the big one on Saturday night, mm-hmm. I just want to flag up because maybe people have forgotten about this. Over in Spain, David uh, Avanesian is having a little bit of a go. Avanesian. He's having a go with uh, Kermin Larraja uh, for the uh, welterweight European title. This is a fight. It's a proper fight. It's a fucking rematch is what it is, but it's a belter. Mm. Woohoo! That's because Avanesian went over there, didn't he? And no one gave him a chance against uh, Laranja. Yeah, that's because Laranja was laying every fucker out. He did uh, Frankie's done a couple real, of kids, hasn't he? Mate, he is legit, is yeah. Kerman. And uh, like you said, David Avencian is uh, doing the business, mate. Mate, he goes over there. No one gives him much of a chance. Hot on the back of Josh Kelly pulling out of the fight against him and everything else. And it was like, you know, he was adamant and his manager... Uh, who I know, Neil Marsh, they were adamant that Aventian was far from washed up and he was looking for a big uh, statement performance. You know, this is a guy that beat Shane Mosley, don't forget, at one stage. Was mm. Shane Mosley? Yeah, was Shane yeah, Mosley? Yeah. He beat, yeah, yeah, over in the, in the he, he had a version World of the Champion. WBA World Championship, yeah. Um, and he goes over there, spanks Larangian over in Bilbao, ninth round stoppage. It was a fucking wonderful performance as well. Uh, but Larangian's had one in the meantime. He's had a quick bounce back fight and now they've got the rematch this weekend. So, I'm buzzing. Hopefully, David's getting a good payday for it. Yeah. And I think after this, you know, I think if he can if he can defend the belt against Larianja in back in Spain, then he's got to get a world title fight again, surely. Yeah. He's got to be in the frame at least. Um, the big one that I was just referring to is obviously in the welterweight division. Um, in a world where it seems the best don't necessarily fight the best, or we don't get uh, too many unifications, we've got one this weekend. And I'm kind of liking the. Uh, have you seen the gloves are off stuff between these two? There's a little bit of needle between them. I, yeah. like, I, I really like Sean Porter. I've been very lucky to be at fights where he's been there and just have general conversation with him. He's such an intelligent guy. He speaks yeah. so well. He's just a nice dude, man. He's just a nice guy, isn't he? Um, and when he gets in to those type of environments where it's gloves are off and he's looking into the eyes of his opponents, it's good. He beats him with intelligence, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the other guy we might favour in the fight in Errol Spence Jr., Sean Porter brings it every single time, and I can't see this being a crap fight. I think it's, I think it's going to be brilliant. You're right, Sean Porter is, is an intelligent lad, but at the Staples Centre in LA on Saturday night, we're not doing the fucking blockbusters gold run, are we? <laughs> we're having a fight. So Listen, the kick and fight, he's just fighting a dude that's maybe a bit better at fighting. Errol Spence is the best, for me, the best welterweight on the planet. No, he's not. 
Terence Crawford is. Sorry, Terence Crawford's the best welterweight on the planet. There you go. Errol Spencer. Took all the five seconds, less than five <laughs> seconds to change his mind. <laughs> Poor Terence, right on my mind there. I keep thinking. I still keep thinking Terence is the weight division below. It's because he can't get a knock. That's what it is. <clears throat> um, Errol Spence, Sean Porter. Do you want me to tell you how it ends? Go on. Porter pulled out in the tenth due to cuts. TKO. Do you reckon? That's how specific I'm going. He cuts. He, he does cut Porter throughout his whole career. He's been known for cuts. And he, he comes in with his head a lot, doesn't he? He, he? he does get. He does get cut up. I think El Spence for me, as he see as we seen against Mikey Garcia. Now I know Mikey Garcia was jumping up weight divisions, yeah. and it was a stupid, stupid move. But he's he's fast. He's slick. He's powerful. He's venomous. You know, for he only looks like a young kid, but fuck me, he's got venom in his shots, and. I think Porter this week, I think the sale of the fight's been really good, and you're right, Porter knows how to talk up a fight. Mm. But I just think, just be careful getting under Errol Spence's skin too much, because for me, Errol Spence is the man. Errol Spence, and I think Errol Spence... More, more of a man than Terence Crawford? I, I just think <laughs> Terence Crawford's just an absolute technician, do you yeah. know what I mean? Whereas Errol Spence, Errol Spence Crawford's the biggest fight in this weight division, and yeah. I think that will be justified on Saturday night when Errol Spence stops Sean Porter late on. Um Porter absolutely is in that group at the top of this welterweight division of four or five guys. Porter's obviously talking a lot about fighting Pacquiao after this fight, um, which would be, you know, the safe move rather than going towards Terence Crawford. Mm-hmm. But I truly believe that Errol Spence gets a win here. You won't see Errol Spence calling out Manny Pacquiao. You won't be, see him looking for a, a necessary a soft touch. You'll see Errol Spence going, fucking bring me Terence Crawford, man. Let's make this fight happen. Let's mm-hmm. cross over. Mm-hmm. Because that's the fight to make. That's the who, who is that's the a best super in fight. the division. Of course it is. That's, that's but this is not far off. This is a fucking massive fight. This. Yeah. WBC, IBF, welterweight championships on the line. I agree with the victor. I do. I see a stoppage or do I see points? You might be right there. Actually, a late type of stoppage. Yeah. For, TKO for Errol Spence. TKO nine around ten, nine or ten rounds. I think he'll cut him up badly. Uh, by the time the ninth's in there, it'll be all about can the can the cut man keep him in the fight, and then by the tenth, I think he'll be that far behind on the points as, on, on the cards as well. I think Porter will get pulled out. Job done. Um, on the undercard, Anthony Durrell and David Benavides are uh, going at it for the WBC Super Middleweight Championship of the World. Hopefully, one of these uh, grows a set and maybe comes in as a bit of a knock with Callum Smith off the back of this. What do you think? No, you won't. Because <laughs> Durrell's a shit house who's been dodging Cal- Callum Smith for about three years. Yeah, but Benavides is a top boy. Benavidez is a good champion. Don't forget, this was De- Benavidez's belt. Benavidez yeah, yeah. never lost this belt. It no. got stripped from him because he's given sn- to fucking Durrell. That's because he'd been uh, having a bit of a swim in Alaskan snow, hasn't he? That's, because that's what the crack was. And because Durrell has got fucking pictures of fucking Sullivan's misses <laughs> smeared in chocolate or some shit like that. Because Durrell has been handed this smeared in chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, Durrell. Anything happening, or was she just smeared in just, chocolate? Just generally smeared in chocolate. Right. Okay. Durrell's got the pictures. Right. Okay. Basically said to Sullivan. You better get me that WBC belt or the world's going to see your wife covered in Nutella. <laughs> right. So, um, Darrell got handed this WBC belt. Let's not it, let's not mix words here. It was supposed to be him versus Callum Smith. They fucked Callum Smith around yeah. so much by moving the venue, the destination. Then in the end, Callum Smith went, fuck this, I'll go in the World Boxing Super Series then. And Darrell's like, hey, give me Yildrim, who lost to fucking Eubank in the World Boxing Super Series for this WBC belt. Absolute bollocks. Darrell's a paper champion. Go put that on record. Darrell is a paper champion. Benavidez hopefully smokes him this weekend and picks the belt up that he should never have lost. But Benavidez is no joke, man. 
That's what I'm talking about. Benavidez, is, for me, is the legit world champion. But that's what I'm saying. Up. Benavidez versus Callum Smith is a... Oh, for yeah, us, yeah. For us as boxing fans, is a super fight, but is that a big enough name for Callum Smith? No, and the issue we've got here is that, as Joe told us on the show last week, Callum Smith will fight in Liverpool in November defending a super middleweight title. His, his undisputed crown as the number one super middleweight on the planet. And he will then move up to light heavyweight. Because Joe was saying, there's no way he can do super middleweight next May. He just can't do it. His body's too big. He's grown now. And he can't do it. Anything less than... He won't let him fight under 5% body fat. And he said, probably in November, Callum's going to be about 5% body fat. He's just, he's just grown too big. We've got to move him up to light heavyweight. So this will be Callum's last fight at 168 pound in November. So the, the chances of him fighting Darrell or Benavidez have gone. That is, unless Benavidez or Darrell, one of these gets an early finish, comes through this unharmed, and then suddenly they can go, OK, well, there's a fight in a month's time. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. I think more than likely they'll get an opponent in for Callum Smith in November. It's probably going to be a John Ryder or some shit like that. That's no disrespect to John Ryder. No. Come on. Doesn't wet a whistle, man. Come on. Talking about the world number one here. I don't want to see him face mandatory contenders with for the WBA or whatever the bollocks is. I want to see him fight for... I want to see him unify all the belts. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. So what then happens then next May? Do they, do they make Anfield and they're do gonna, they make light heavyweight? They're going to do light heavyweight. But who do they bring in? So they're looking at any of the champions. So the winner of Gavodzik Batyabiev, they're interested in. The winner of, obviously, the winner or the loser from Kovalev versus Canelo. Mm. They'll take either of those because either of those sells Anfield. Mm. against Callum Smith in a, in a vacant world title fight or a, or a full world title fight at light heavyweight. Uh, exciting times. There's, 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 there's a few guys there at light heavyweight Bivol. that tick the boxes. Bivol's yeah, a matchroom fighter, isn't he? Can 100%. They get, can they get him in? Bivol, 100%. But is that, um, what I'm saying is, are these big enough names to sell that event out? Kovalev, yes. Canelo, yes. yes. Forget that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking the Baterbiev's of this world, Gavodica of this world, and the Bivols who are holding the other belts, are they big enough to come and sell out Anfield with Callum Smith? Um... As that just on its own as a main event? No. I think I think if you announce Callum Smith versus, regardless of who wins, Canelo or Kovalev. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a piece of piss. That sells. That's Anfield. a piece of piss, yeah. And then you can pack the undercard to do whatever. But I think to do... Let's say they go in Baterbiev, right? So they go yeah. Callum Smith, Baterbiev for two belts because... Because he's beat yeah, yeah, yeah. Kovodsky. It's a light heavyweight world championship. Yeah. Callum Smith, super middleweight, main man, going up to light heavy. Yeah. Is that big enough? I think it's big enough when you then tag onto that, okay... We're going to Kel get... Brook and Amir Khan. No, Kel Brook versus Amir Khan or Kel Brook versus Liam Smith. And you throw on Paul Butler in a world title fight at Bantamweight. And you throw in David Price fighting against, you know, fringe world title contender. Someone that, you know, maybe AJ's rehabbing. David Price versus AJ, co-main event. If AJ's <laughs> lost... If AJ's lost to the Ruiz. You have gone full scouse, haven't you? <laughs> AJ's on the undercard. First on. He's on at six o'clock. <laughs> Scousers are on above him. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. But, uh, well, dude, he's the curtain raiser. The AJ's coming is, out as a curtain The good thing is, I've just plotted a nice route back there for AJ if, if he loses to Ruiz in December. Yeah. He can bounce back on Callum Smith's <laughs> card in Liverpool and Brighty will entertain him as well. <laughs> oh brilliant there you go oh AJ we love you really come on son we're just having a bit of fun that's it Make sure but you... yeah I think they pack the undercard you know it may well do well mm. it may well do well uh, listen for listen, me listen there's a situation with <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest there's a couple of guys there Baterbiev um, Gvodzik mm-hmm. these guys you know probably harder fights oh, massively harder fights than fucking Canelo or Kovalev 100% they are because Canelo and Canelo's blown up to light heavy. Yeah. And Kovalev on his way out. is on his way out. The other two are horrible. You don't yeah. want that. 
and they, they're harder sells. So mm. that, I think that's why they're saying the winner or the loser of Kovalev the, uh, and Canelo, Callum Smith will do it in, in Anfield mm. because both of those names are much obviously much more high profile. You mentioned his brother Liam there. There could be a good situation because we know that Jaime Munguia yeah. is going to move up in weight yeah. and therefore that WBO trinket that Liam Wantel will be come vacant. And I've no doubt Joe and the team there are absolutely knocking on the door, aren't they, to say, listen, you if there's what? a vacant belt there, let's have a piece of that pie, let's get in. Exactly. That's what he said about everyone. Butler, Stephen Smith, Liam Smith, Callum Smith, um, Sam Hyde. So it's, I was laughing with Joe Barry. It's a waiting room. Their gym's a waiting room at the moment. Mm. That's why they all had a little knock on Sunday, didn't they, on yeah. uh, Joe's uh, new promotion, M22. I believe it all went well. Yeah. Uh, Butler were on there. Hyde was on there. Marcus was on there. They were all Marcus having a Morrison little bit. Morrison stole the show, didn't he? First mm. round knockout. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. It's no, a body no. shot, mate. You'll, uh, oh, you'll be all over that. Yes, can't believe you didn't send me that. Nice little left uh, hook to the body, to the kidneys, to the uh, to the liver area. Kid sank in, uh, I think it was in about two, two minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah, two minutes in, yeah. Little Foz was on comms, wasn't he? Was it? Little Foz was on comms. Oh, yeah. my days. Why did I not know about this? <laughs> I'd have tuned in. <laughs> was it? Was he, was he uh, the DC? Was he adding the colour or was he uh, lead commentator? I've got no idea. Joe, what the fuck are you doing asking him to do it? <laughs> Little Foz giving it the bigger thing. <laughs> All right, smash him, lads. <laughs> uh, great. Top stuff. Um, well, thank you very much for listening to us. No fights to review, obviously, last week, but we'll have plenty to get stuck into next week with uh, Errol Spence Jr. and uh, Sean Porter going at it and everything that's happening on Friday night uh, with Daniel Dubois and Ebenezer Tete. He's a good, he's a good. Is Ebenezer good? He has to walk out to that, doesn't he? If your name's to. Ebenezer, you have to come he's out to that. He's got to walk out to that. Mm. Uh, thank you very much for listening to us. If you have only just come across us, you can get us on iTunes. You can subscribe there. You're looking for Fight Disciples. It's fightdisciples.com for any Android feed that you need. At Fight Disciples on Facebook and Twitter and at The Fight Disciples on Instagram. We'll try and keep you up to date with everything that's going on. Hey, I'll tell you what I am doing this week. Didn't tell you. I'm going to go and hang out with the Dark Destroyer. Nigel? The, yeah, the proper one. The, nice. Because uh, he's he's coming back. Oh, no. <laughs> Seriously, I thought this was a joke. No, no, it's real, mate. Oh, fuck. Why? Well, I'm going to find out this week. Like a white collar thing, is it? No, it's proper. No, it isn't proper. The Border Control won't license proper. So, yeah, but who says it's happening in England? He lives in Australia, doesn't he? Does he? I thought he lived in Spain. Well, he lives all over the place, does uh, Big Nigel. Listen, I'm going to go and have a chat with him. I'll get the law down. I'll find out what it's all about, and I'll stick it on some feed somewhere for everybody to have a little bit of a nosy. That's got Malta Boxing Association <laughs> licence written all over it. There you go. That's what's coming this week, anyway. Thank you very much for listening to us. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.